Hi, everybody, and welcome back to yet another cracking installment of the Matt Brown Show. This is the Built in New York series where I'm connecting you to amazing companies, startups, founders doing awesome things and changing the world as we know it. One of those those guys uh, is the founder and CEO of Pons Tech. That's ponstech.co, and his name is Serner Haji. Welcome to the show. Hey, thank you. Welcome. Uh, thank you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> no, it's all good, dude. So, um, obviously, you're not from the U.S. We live nope. in the dream, baby. American dream is real. <laughs> um, <Yes>. But <laughs> which we'll get into, I hope. But um, but for our viewers around the world, Sona, um, who haven't heard about uh, the cool things that you guys are doing as a team, uh, why don't you paint a picture for us of your background and maybe give us the, the elevator pitch of the origin story of Ponstec? Yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, as you mentioned, so I grew up uh, uh, in Germany and uh, I studied uh, CS and then <clears throat> I, st- I studied CS and then started working in Siemens in their healthcare department. But I was more responsible for emerging tech. So looking for new technologies and new developments that we can add to Siemens, uh, but also new market entries. So that was my job for uh, for quite a while, and um, and but also my brother, who is also my co-founder, uh, is a professor at Rutgers and uh, in New Jersey. So and the whole technology was based on his research. So that was like how we started initially developing pawns, and and right now the technology is what we are doing with pawns is basically we are taking this traditional ultrasound technology and making it a consumer product so that. Uh, medical imaging can be performed by anyone, but especially anywhere, especially focusing on uh, value-based outpatient care. Okay. And uh, who, so this is actually a personal story. Um, you lost, I think it was you or uh, your brother lost, your, or both of you, I suppose, lost your dad through yeah. an issue that could have been solved if, if your product yes. was available. So just to unpack that for everybody. Yeah, sure. So that was the initial starting point of my brother's research, which was we lost like my my our father was had like these always these high blood pressure problems uh, that need to be monitored more closely. Uh, but he was living in like with my mother, he was living in not in the city center, more in the rural areas, and he was not really following discharge orders. And and then basically it happened that, uh, you know, usually the case with high blood pressure and also certain chronic diseases connected with that, it causes like uh, after a while, after a certain age, like also a huge potential risk of brain ble- bleeding. And and that happened in a really long time. But uh, the I, the thing is that if we had, if he, if he had like the opportunity to provide to perform uh, like a certain imaging at home, uh, with a shorter time period, that will be avoided. So, and that was the initially starting point. Then, uh, like his brain bleeding happened, like while he was driving the car. So, and then it all of a sudden, like, was a totally disaster. And we, he passed away after that incident, after that accident. Uh, but yeah, that was like the initial point that uh, my brother was thinking about. Okay, like how we can develop something that can be easily used by someone without any medical background. And while he is at home or while he is on holidays or whatever. So that was the initially starting point. And that happens to be not only a personal problem, uh, but also really um, a bigger growing problem right now in healthcare system. Mm-hmm. So this is about uh, giving consumers access to medical imaging 
or affordable medical imaging technology. Is that loosely correct? Yeah, that is that the technology is empowers consumers to perform uh, ultrasound imaging by themselves. Uh, that's the idea. Like because at the end of the day, ultrasound imaging imaging doesn't take more than five to ten minutes, so you don't need to really go back all the time to the hospital. It can be easily done at home ultimately. But the technology is providing that with the help of AI. Okay, cool. So we'll get into the product in a moment. So, um, so how big is this market? Because I can't think for me personally, I've needed to have medical imaging access. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Especially AI-driven ones. So, so who is this actually? Is this really for consumer? And if it is, how big is the market opportunity? And I'd love to understand, as I'm sure our audience around the world would also, is what are the use cases for this? Am I like scanning my baby? Like maybe that's one, you know, but maybe, but is it like my son sprained his ankle? Like how does, how do all those things play out? So firstly, what's the opportunity and what are the use cases for this? Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's a good question. Like you should think about like the opportunity or the market sides pre-COVID and post-COVID. So, I mean, uh, the reason why I'm saying that is like the, the right now the whole healthcare system is moving to be this uh, like hospital at home approach, and that is also what we are like point of care, hospital at home, value based outpatient care, and all this stuff. So that is a huge and very fast growing market right now. Like the only if you think about this point of care market, uh, like remote monitoring point of care, it is uh, like estimated right now over like 25 billion dollars. But the thing is that they are estimating in the following by the end of two years, like by the end of 2025, it will be it will go up to 60 billion. So and you can see that like that is really changing the whole healthcare system itself. Uh, and that is also why uh, a lot of companies are interested in the field, like especially like, OK, what happens with the outpatient? So and that is like the the the, the how the, how big is the market? And regarding to the second point, like, oh, of course, like babies and pregnancy monitoring, that is something. But what is much more important for us, especially, is uh, being able to monitor chronic diseases outside the hospital setting. So that is like, let's say you have, you know, like it's, it should be you, but it can be someone in your family or like you have someone in your family with these like conditions. Like it can be like, uh, like cirrhosis, it can be fatty liver disease, it can be ovarian cancer, it can be breast cancer, liver metastasis, such those kind of diseases that are progressing really fast. But also, especially for these kind of diseases, it is extremely important to catch them earlier. Right now, that's the bigger problem because at the moment, like around like uh, that, there, there was a new study, like close to like 60% of the people that has like that are in this risk level, they cannot do these regular visits or regular imaging. So that is the focus that we have, how we can kind of track, give and uh, give the technology to people living in rural areas. It can be people uh, like with uh, that doesn't have time to go to back to the hospital for regular visits. It can be like low mid-income families that doesn't have that option at all. So as soon as they are out, uh, they become outpatient, they are discharged. Uh, the regular visit times are right now, like especially if you think about medical imaging, three to six months. And if you think about a chronic disease, three to six months is a really long time to do the next appointment. So, and usually the disease progress cannot be monitored. 
And that is uh, the focus point that we have, like how we can provide people with potential low to mid risk on chronic diseases, uh, a, a tool that they can monitor with their doctor how the disease progress is happening outside the hospital settings. And that is what we kind of want to provide to the doctor a really like a continuous, a regular, uh, not like every three months or six months, maybe every two weeks, and maybe a week, every week. Like these progress about how these, like for example, how the tissue is changing in one week, how the T or two weeks. That is the focus point that we have right now. Okay. So it's post-surgery follow-up, but being uh, enabling the patient to submit their scans remotely or to provide... Yes clinicians or hospitals or doctors access to patients so that they don't need to come wait every three to six months to come back in for another scan. So there's that. And then there's, and then there's also the uh, use case where I'm a woman, I'm in my mid fifties and I want to scan my breasts for, for like tissue abnormalities as an example, or I'm a, or I'm a, I'm pregnant and I'm, you know, late trimester and yeah. I, you know, and I want to submit my scan to my pediatrician uh, or, or gynecologist to, you know, to do exactly. any kind of remote assessment and things. So that's, that's, exactly. so that's it. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. All right, cool. So what have you guys actually built then? Like, how does this actually work? So talk us, talk, talk mm-hmm. to us about your product. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. What we are, what we built is, and what we are developing is, uh, first of all, there are two components in the technology. One, the hardware part, and then the second, the software. The hardware is a really small uh, mobile uh, point-of-care ultrasound uh, device that is that comes with a pre-configured tablet. Uh, that they are all uh, all like uploaded. Everything is running. Anyone like the consumer doesn't need to upload, download anything. So it is all. It comes all pre-configured. And then they only need to connect the prop, the ultrasound prop with the tablet through Wi-Fi. That's a really simple, uh, straightforward process. And then the, the interesting part in our technology is uh, we integrated these AI-driven navigation features, so which is basically a navigation for someone without any medical background, like you, me, or someone, or it can be like a caregiver that doesn't know like uh, medical imaging or such. So... And the navigation system is basically navigating the user uh, through an avatar, how to use the prop, how to move it according to the anatomical part that they need to scan. For example, your their doctor wants a liver scan every two weeks or every week. So then they just got this appointment from their doctor. They open the system and then the system navigates you, first of all, how to find your liver. So if you are on the right spot, then it says, OK, you are on the right spot. Or if you are not, then it says move left, move right move up, then stop, it's scanning. So that pro, that navigation system provides like a really easy to use uh, uh, system uh, that finds that, that provides you at the right spot. And then the start and the whole system collects all the images in between. And also like the second part comes in play uh, because then uh, we have like this AI system, which is doing all the image processing and risk analysis and also the patented image enhancement technology that we integrated, basically collects all the image, creates a new image from those collected partial images, and then basically provides the risk assessment to the doctor, meaning that, okay, two weeks ago, that tissue was not there, or two weeks ago, that tissue was 
0.1 millimeter and right now it's 0.2 millimeter, it's growing and this kind of thing. So that the doctor knows exactly how the progress is happening and it can compare with the previous scans, but also it has a clear vision about the image with the, with the image enhancement technology that we are integrating. So, but the whole idea is like uh, seeing the consumer as a source of medical image and that's it. The consumer doesn't need to do anything else. It just needs to hold the prop follow the avatar, that's it, and the rest is done uh, through the system. Okay. And <clears throat> so how much does this cost? Like if uh, Matt Brown, the consumer, <laughs> uh, you know, needs to check his breasts, <laughs> you know, um, like how much is this going to set me back? Where do I buy it for, for argument's mm -hmm. sake? Well, what we are right, like the... the uh, uh, as soon as like we started this developing to be uh, we had one one thing in my in our mind so basically that was we need to first create an affordable technology but also accessible technology so those two like mission statements that we have brings us to the to, to, to that part that you asked basically we don't want someone to purchase the device pay like uh, okay two thousand dollars or whatever to the device and then use it but more no you don't need to buy it you just pay as you scan or pay per session so uh, that is the how the system. You just you, you can either directly subscribe to the system, or if you have like already, if you are already a member of like a, a certain like insurance company or like a, a healthcare provider, like uh, certain providers, then you just get it with these memberships. But the whole idea is like you just pay as per per session. This is between five to ten dollars. So the other thing is like because we want to make even if you don't have any insurance if you are not covered so you don't need to think about oh, okay can i pay it or am i able to pay it because five to ten dollars is basically like okay that is no everyone can do that so but the idea is like making it affordable so that we can create much more image and then as i said like the cool thing is focused on catching something really early then preventing it become really like chronic and, and critical. And that is how we kind of also see, uh, see, the, see the value in the technology so that we don't, anyone doesn't need to be uh, thinking twice about, okay, can I use it? Can I afford it? Okay. And there's no FDA approval or anything like that, right? At the moment, it's not. So because like the, the good thing is that we, we started the pre-sub meetings with the FDA and and they are the, the meetings really are really promising so and the goal is to to start the application uh, early next year and then hopefully to get it in 12 months time okay um what's your unfair advantage then i mean is is medical imaging i mean as an idea it's it's not i mean i think it's novel in the sense of like giving consumers access to it but certainly medical imaging from a clinical doctor perspective that stuff's been around for quite some time so is what's the unfair advantage that you guys have would you say from a product or business mm -hmm. perspective from the from the product is like i mean we were like we were really focused on like point one point zero actually so we were only focused on the consumer like okay how we can bring it to the consumer level and the whole we have like two two main advantages one we develop the whole as like the, the very important point here is the navigation system because you cannot assume like a consumer knows where the liver is or where the kidney is or how to move it if, if that's uh, like a woman like to, through breast or whatever or ovarian. So developing like a navigation system geared on like someone that doesn't know anything at all, preventing overtilting everything, that was the very challenging. And that is one of the biggest advantages that we have right now. 
which basically a, a consumer grade navigation. And the second thing is we are only we are not this, the technology is not only providing a medical image. So like, but it is more like uh, giving the doctor also like these risk assessment uh, report as well, which means that okay, like saying that because uh, you know ultrasound itself is not the best best image quality. And but uh, if we can make it better and more clear image, and also provide the assessment report to the doctor, it will give them, it will save them time. At the end of the day, doctor will always have the last word, but with those information, I, we will be able to provide them much more in-depth information about how the process is happening outside the hospital. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there, I know being an entrepreneur can be a very lonely experience. You sometimes get stuck, don't you? Well, if you're like me, being stuck sucks. But what if you could access the minds of over 850 CEOs who have built companies generating billions of dollars in revenue and access all of that knowledge in a fraction of a second? Well, the good news is you can literally do that today. What my team have built is Matt Brown AI. It is trained on all the interviews, over 850 of them that I've done to date, all my books, all the knowledge capital that has been generated over the last 10 years right here on the Matt Brown Show. And you can get access to all of that right now for free. So how do you get access to this? Well, head on over to mattbrownshow.com and at the top, you'll see community. Hit that link, sign up. It's absolutely free and you'll be given instant access to Matt Brown AI and a community of over 100,000 subscribers. Okay, got it. So I'm just I was just curious to find out <clears throat> how many women in the United States actually have breast cancer. So each year in the United States, uh about 264,000 cases of breast cancer are diagnosed in women. Uh see it is actually true. I didn't realize that. And about 2,400 in men. I didn't realize that, eh? Yeah. Isn't that yeah, interesting? Me. That's also like that no one thinks about men will but it's also a case in Men's as well. Men's. So, yeah, I mean, I, I was kind of being facetious when I was like, <laughs> oh, Matt Brown wants to scan it. But that's actually a thing. <laughs> no, that's a thing. <laughs> that's so crazy. That's so crazy. So, you know, I'm also interested to know, like, how many women are, whoops, are pregnant right now, oh. USA? Uh, okay, so here you go. Number of, so 3.6 million that's a lot, man. That's, that's, a, that's a lot. That's quite a big market, you know. Yeah. Maybe not so much for men. You could start there, niche down, you know. <laughs> Dominate if, the men category. <laughs> because on the other hand, if you also think that right now, everyone is like kind of like scared to go to the hospitals, even though it's like they say, okay, COVID is over, uh, but still people are not really keen on going back to the hospital, waiting hours in the line and these kind of stuff. Yes, exactly. Um, and uh, you guys have also raised uh, or successfully raised your pre-seed round, yeah. uh, just over half a million, closed out in July. Um, how did you find that experience? Uh, you know, with the market being the way that it, you know, everyone's like, ah, oh, it's hard right now. It's hard all the time, but it's hard now too. <laughs> so yeah. was it? Was your? I mean, did you raise from angels, or was it family office, or mm -hmm. friends and family and fools? Mm -hmm. It was like, yeah, you are right. For especially in companies like in our field, like biotech, life science, medtech, it's mm. it's even harder. So because usually, like you know, the time frames are longer. 
uh, you cannot be on the market or you cannot do that, fake it until you make it and this kind of stuff. And, um, and in our case, we have we had maybe we had these two advantages. One, we like the investors that we had in this round, both our venture company, venture capital VCs, and they are both interested in uh, in biotechnology and investing in biotechnology life sciences, but also like impact uh, impact creating ventures, like basically, okay, how we can how the technology can help people, how the can, technology can help only not people living in cities, but also living in uh, like poorer or like third world developing countries and such. So we had the advantage like having those investors on board. Uh, but also the second advantage is the, the the ecosystem right now in healthcare. So it is changing really fast. Uh, as I mentioned in the beginning, like right now, everything is moving around how, how hospitals can generate revenue from outpatient, how healthcare system can be more focused on preventing admissions instead of readmissions. How like uh, hospital at home technologies can be developed so that every home can become a potentially primary care center. All these kind of developments also helped us to raise these pre seed round. And right now we are preparing for the seed round. But I think also, as I said, like the existing environment, although is as I said, is really tough to raise right now, but still that's promising. Mm-hmm. Um, so how much are you looking to raise for your seed? So we are raising $5 million in our seed round, uh, which bigger, like the bigger chunk will be used on, you know, FDA's regulations, which are really expensive and, and then growing the team. And right now it's like $5 million. So how much does it actually cost to get FDA approval? I mean, it might be how long is a piece of string, but what would you suggest that mm-hmm. you're looking to cough up for that? Mm-hmm. It depends on what... It depends on on your technology, definitely. Like if that is, for example, class three invasive technology, that is like huge expensive. Then you can end up like way like way more than five million dollars and way longer, uh, like certain surgical things and all this kind of stuff, or like definitely drugs. We are uh, classified as class two non-invasive, so that makes it a little bit like easier to get. Uh, but at the end of the day, you need to provide some clinical trials, and those clinical trials cost between minimum uh, from three hundred thousand dollars up to five hundred, seven hundred fifty thousand dollars, depending on, as I said, on the on the on the number of the patient involved, on the duration and such. So, but we are we are estimating is like it will definitely cost between uh, like seven fifty k up to one million dollars to get the appeal. Yeah, I've got a I've got the perfect investor for your seed round. Mm-hmm. Uh, his name is Brandon. It was the last guy I had on the show. Uh, he uh, basically, it's quite weird. Like the last, I would say the last month, well, basically since I, <laughs> since I met you, like I've been in and I don't know why, but just like a massive over index towards uh, startups in the medical hardware space. Mm-hmm. Don't know why. Um, it's just weird. Um, not that I'm complaining, uh, but uh, but I'm going to connect you to to Brandon because he's he actually sits on funds that only invest in your type of business. Fantastic. I yeah. mean, yeah. I mean, those people get it. So because they are not expecting, okay, generate revenue next month on these kind of things, but also they are they they can see also like the huge impact that can it, it can create. That will be mm. really well. <laughs> cool. So I will um I'll connect you. Okay. Um, cool, bud. So, 
let's see here. I mean, it's a hard thing to do, right? Medical hardware. Yeah. I've had, I've said this before on the show for everyone that's been uh, following along. Um, in, in that, you know, what is kind of what you said, right? That medical hardware is like the hardest thing because one, you have to build the thing and then it's a t- different type of, then you've got to get FDA approval and then, you know, you're yeah. looking at a 10 year, you know, sort of roadmap and uh, investor payback period is, you know, there's not that many, you know, um, sort of, private VC funds for Maytech Heart, you know, versus say SAS, you know, they're different types. This is a whole different monster. Um, So it is really, really hard. So what would you say if you, if you cast your mind back over the, over the last few years, like what would you say as a team has been your greatest failure? Quote unquote, you know, whatever, whatever that is, you didn't raise too, raise too late, too early, raise too little, whatever. Um, But what is that thing and that failure and what did you learn from it? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really good question. So in our case, in our in our case, in our venture, it was uh, in the beginning. Like it was, I think it's also like not only our case. Maybe like it's more common place for like deep tech startups. We have been trying to focus in a couple of markets. Like okay, U.S. market is huge, but then there is also this APEC region. There is also this Southeast Asian market, which is uh, really like getting old, and the the uh, older population is growing. And they have also like really like good at, at adjusting to the technology and such. So uh, that was like the biggest mistake that we did on the early stages. Like focusing on a couple of markets, not only for like not only like on the on the market that we are in the basically no US market, because that also like cost us time and not basically we were all over the place basically like okay we were speaking with someone from Singapore and then we were speaking with someone from Australia then we were speaking again someone from the US so that was like a little bit like too fast too early for us that also as I said like caused like we, we lost like really valuable time because not being able to focus on such such thing and the second thing is also correlated to that we have been focusing on like couple of diseases in the beginning. Oh, okay, like we can do liver disease, we can do kidney, we can do these kind of things, and that was also the second thing. We were not really focused on one chronic disease, which we are right now, and I think those two things they are kind of like connected with each other. Like, okay, first focus on your market, then focus on the other markets, and then focus on certain, in our case, like a certain niche disease. That is basically a bigger problems, or that is that has a growing concern, and that those two things they were our biggest mistakes in the early stages. Like, yeah, it's uh, it is a, it's a difficult thing to to choose, you yes. know, because you can yeah. do bre- you know pregnancy, you can do breast, you can breast cancer diagnosis or medical like. There's so many things you could scan, right? Correct. Liver mm-hmm. and then the other fish mm-hmm. pair. So, <clears throat> but I you know like my Again, also, you know, said this on the show earlier this year, but like you have to choose. If you don't, you're dead, you know. And because I think most uh, most startups are like they're starving on indigestion because they're taking mm-hmm. on too much. They're trying to be everything to everyone. Like I was chatting to Don uh, Bosco, he runs BeHuman.ai, and they built this um, this AI uh, con- content personalization platform. So mm-hmm. you can create like you know a thousand videos all personalized with your voice you know so you create these variables in a timeline and then the ai changes what you say turn tonally and makes your mouth move so it's like you know it's hardcore 
Um, but, uh, you know, and so like, who's that for? Well, it's for e-commerce companies. It's for SaaS companies. It's for MedTech. It's like, basically, it's for everyone. And so he also has that same that same challenge, you know, like, who do you decide to be for so that you can cross the chasm and get that yes. drive that word of mouth in clinicians and patients with breast cancer. Correct. You know what I mean? Um, and so I'm curious to double click on how you like, well, we, I know you mentioned it up front, but just, just remind us again, which was the disease that you chose and mm -hmm. what went into that decision? Like what would, did you mm -hmm. look at TAM? Did you look at ability to solve? Did you look at mm -hmm. product market fit for that particular use case? Mm -hmm. Walk us through that. Yeah. Like, uh, we choose after, <clears throat> after like, uh, going back and forth between diseases and this kind of stuff. So we are right now focused on uh, on women's health, especially uh, ovarian cancer and endometriosis. Uh, the reason why we are focused on that it is <clears throat> it is a growing problem, and and the problem is going bigger because you can also have like a perfect solution for a perfect thing, but if the market is really small and and the problem is really small, uh, then it also like means not much. So let's say so. Uh, but in our case, especially like those two fields are. A, a really growing concern and it's also really expensive to treat as well so and and most of the cases they are basically um uh they basically miss the appointments and all this kind of stuff so uh that is uh, right now why we are focused on especially on these two certain uh, uh diseases and the other thing is also why we are focused on that is there is this growing demand on <clears throat> On women's health, especially or like ovarian cancer, endometriosis, like from certain pharma companies, like that was also the second reason why we choose that because we have been approached by a couple of them, but also we have been seeing that those companies are moving into that field, and that means that there is something going on in the field, and it will be a potentially like a bigger market, a growing market, and faster growing market. And that was right now, that is right now where we are heavily focused on and that we kind of doing the, the trials and working on the pilot project and such. Yeah, it's so, it's so interesting. Um, there's another startup I should connect you to. Um, the CEO there is uh, Soma Babarak. Babarak, rather. Uh, the company's called uh, Hero Biotech. Um, and they also focused on endometriosis. Um, so that was episode 498, so just before the 500th um, sort of a show. But um, I'll connect you to her too because uh, she was basically explaining to me like in the endometriosis diagnosis uh, space, specific, not treatment, but just diagnosis. Like there's been zero innovation there since 1970. Yes, exactly. And usually if you like, usually it's like, uh, if you if you want to like catch it or like usually like endometriosis is, is is diagnosed like after five years, which is already too late. Yeah, you and treatment in. is yeah exactly, and the treatment is huge, ex not only expensive but huge, painful as well. So, mm -hmm. and yes, that 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 field is basically left alone, and and that is we and exactly for that reason, if you catch it really early, then it's just a, a, a certain thing that you can overcome with certain drugs. So a really like simple process like. But yeah, that is exactly the, the case, in the, especially in the market. Yeah, and it's it's massive, dude. 
It's like it's a hundred and it's a hundred and ninety million women are diagnosed every year, and yeah. it's and it's well yeah. that are affected by endometriosis. I'm not even sure if they're diagnosed right. properly because that's right. a whole other conversation. That cool. um, but, uh, but I I think. Because you're after this, well, you're trying to make a difference in the same space, and you're doing it in a different way. So I think there might be yeah. a strategic partnership there. So I'll, I'll connect you to her too. Yeah. Um, it doesn't matter who gets there, as long as someone, you know what I mean? Yeah. Who gets there yeah. first, as long as you get there. Um, right. And so, um, what are you struggling with right now? Oh, right now, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> of course, like the as I said, I think I think if not for, only for us, I think anyone in the space, especially in medtech or uh, or life science, like regulations, which are still not moving that fast. But they are moving. That that's promising, definitely, because uh, like right now, for example, Medicare, like as insurance companies are reimbursing <clears throat> remote monitoring things and such. But still, it is like a process. So it is really, it's not like it is still like slow it's not really that fast although they are changing some something that is the biggest struggle that we have and the second thing of like definitely like uh growing the team and and also uh keeping up with the with the demand that we are getting so but i think i can say that for easy like the biggest um, hurdle that we need to go uh, is is overcome is 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 the regulations so navigating mm. through that so how do you scale something like this if it's direct to consumer assuming that let's just stick with endometriosis diagnosis for now uh-huh. using medical imaging and using uh-huh. Ponstech to do it uh-huh. so there's 190 million women let's just say for argument's sake there's 10 million or a million like how do you scale this like it's hardware it's not SaaS so how do you figure that out yeah that's a really good question so we have been like we have been thinking about that like like really in the early early stages so and, and the result that we or the, the the result that we we did a couple of market research, like I think three of them, like really 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 long ones. So, and and the only way you can scale in in that is through partnerships. There is no other way. So, like developing strategic partnerships, especially with pharma companies, because you know they they are the gate. They 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 have all the network. They can kind of influence everyone. And like first of all. Having these strategic partnerships with those pharmaceutical companies, and the second thing is also having strategic partners in in these new approach like um, like value based primary care or like these hospital at home companies. Like in our case, definitely like uh, pharmacies like CVS, Walgreens, or, or such that are entering the field, and and that will be also that's also our approach. So we basically want to have them partner uh, as partners. They already have like this huge like membership pool or network, or they are all they already have these members, and then we will be basically their technology provider. So that is how we how we see the only I mean at least at the moment like the only way that we can scale really fast and reach out to those huge potential markets. Yeah, one of the things I'm seeing from a also from a funding perspective, right? It's just like cool. So you need to do five million as a raise for your seed. So your mind yeah. immediately goes you know, med tech funds, you know, yeah. like how many of those can I find? Maybe I can yeah. get more angels to get to my, 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 my total uh, raise mm-hmm. amount. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think what's often overlooked is the role of a strategic partner in actually funding you. Oh, yeah. Because it, in other words, if you're providing a service to a strategic partner, you say to them, look, 
you give me a million of that, so 25% of that seed round, mm-hmm. and then we we will reduce your cost of, you know what I mean? Like you give them a, exactly. so it's not, it's not just about the capital. It's actually about solving a go-to-market problem, yeah. like for them. Yeah. You know what I mean, and yep. so so I think it's it's it's, it's uh, and you know who's doing it really well is uh, farm from a box. Uh, box, bringing up for for every Brandy DeCarly. I had her on the show recently, um, and she was basically so what they've done just to put it into context for everybody. So what they've done is they've literally created like if you think about a shipping container, and like in there. You take that shipping container and you drop it onto a farm and you can create sustainable agricultural solutions from that box. So it's like technology, rain analysis, you know, crop sampling, like it's next level shit. Um, And so for her, she, she also went and she's also raised, done her seed. I think they've raised around five also. But where she, where she was, what she was saying was like for her specifically, almost like you, it's like it's an outlier. It's not a SaaS thing. So you're looking at yeah. a particular type of investor. And what she's, she tried to go retail investor. So Angel credited, blah, blah. <clears throat> she was some, you know, she got some, some money through them. But really where, the, where her, her true success came from, from funding, was purely through strategic partnership. She was like, yo, if you guys don't get it, or you, you know, you don't like the unit economics of this thing, or whatever your sub story is, or why you don't think it's a good investment, Mister Investor. She solved that whole thing and changed the whole conversation and changed her whole investment raising process by looking at a strategic partner and saying, "Okay, dude, this is how our technology, our farm from a box, can help you solve this problem in this context for that segment of your customer, which is worth this amount." You know, so give me a million that help. You know, so so I think it's something that's often overlooked. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, I, I totally agree. Like, basically, like onboarding like these potential first customers slash investors. So that can be both at the end of the day. I, I totally again, and we like definitely that will be our our case as well because either it can be like a certain like a down payment kind of thing that mm-hmm. will basically kind of like balance it and all this stuff because at the end of the day they will be uh, they will be the first users and, and like uh, of the system as well. Like, I mean, that is definitely something that we will. Uh, we will work on like because that will also bring some value as well it's not only they will invest like one million or x million but it will also create these potentially oh, okay that can a, a big like potential be a, like a 50 million dollar deal in the following three years and this kind of stuff so on the revenue side mm. yeah <clears throat> excuse me and the other thing um because uh, i help startups raise money also and another thing that uh, I think oftentimes is I I basically think the whole process around raising money is is, is fucking it's, it's insane, like it's ridiculous. Like it's cool. So pre- prepare a pitch deck, then you got to source investors, then you got a cold outreach. Yeah. Maybe you get a warm if you have a lead investor from a, a warm referral if you have a lead investor from a previous Ooh. round, um, and it's so dated like the whole process through which a startup founder raises money it's it's commoditized and it's dated it hasn't changed and i don't know if you agree with me or not Um, but at least that's what my sense is you know like it hasn't it hasn't changed because everyone's doing it the same way and i think investors especially now they've got like they're not geared up to deal with lots of deal flow you know like most of them don't even open up your cold email in an inbox yeah you know what i mean because they they have 50 a day or 25 a day so like all the vcs i know like they only deal through referred uh referrals so it's like hey this is uh sona he's the founder and ceo of ponstech 
my name's Matt. You know, I these guys are worth looking. You know, like that that for me is where the leverage is. But certainly, if you don't, if you're raising for your first time, like pre-seed or seed, mm-hmm. in some cases, like it's, I think that process is really it's, it hasn't changed at no. all. You know, no. <laughs> yeah, and I think like there's a huge opportunity to change the way that you go and raise money. Correct. Correct. No, I totally agree. It doesn't. It, it doesn't change at all. So it's 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 even getting harder. Like most of the existing investors, they mostly they do like I totally agree. Like they do either follow up investments. They invest already. They invest only in the in the companies that already invested. Uh, they didn't do new investments, or they do really as you said warm warm interest. And coming to your first points, in that case, it's so, like also like a potential like introduction from a strategic partner to an investor is also like again becoming mm. really important because then the investor can see okay look they are the potential customers and they like it and they are introducing me then they are a little bit more really not a little bit I, I mean they are really then interested to invest if if you got an introduction through a potential customer that will or partner as i said mm-hmm. that will be huge yeah and the other thing also it's like sometimes debt is just the way to go like if you have some revenue yeah. Like hold on to your equity. Like I've brought on oh, yeah. um, a partner, uh, Grasshopper Bank. So they're like a digital bank for startups, basically. Mm-hmm. So they have their own venture fund and what have you, and they do SBA loans based on like revenue and that kind of thing. And then they also have a venture specific fund. And so, you know, like you could have one conversation, you know, to get it done, mm-hmm. especially if you're raising five hundred k. You know what I mean? Like, so what? It's really not. A, so, so basically, right. the option A is you go and get fifty k times ten mm-hmm. or twenty five times. It's a lot of people to say yes to. Or if you have some revenue, you just go to like an SBA. They're learning like three, yeah. five million dollars. You know, yes. and so it's prime plus three. But at least you hold on to your equity, Correct. so that if when you do go and you know you hit a certain, let's just say you you hit a certain revenue number, now you can start to have equity based. You know. Um, Correct. Uh, capital or conversations, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I, I, yeah. So, I think my point being is that think differently about funding. Yeah. That's the thing, you know. Like, what are you? What options are you not exploring? So, for instance, now, like after literally after this show, I've got uh, the founder of OmniSync.io, Rupak Dashi, coming on the show. He's based out in California, and he's built a marketplace platform which literally does grant-based funding right. for startups. Purely. So I know you've you've taken a couple of grants too. So, you know, so like what role could that play? So yes. I don't know. I think I think a lot of fun. And I think my sense is, is that because you're so stretched, like you, you're trying to build product, trying to hire people, you're trying to make sales, you're trying to do all these things. And now you've also got to be CFO. Okay. Correct. You know. Correct. Especially early stages, it's like everything, everyone is doing everything. And, and I totally agree. Grants are... Really, usually people think about grants like, oh, okay, they will not give us to us. It will be too difficult. But usually it's not the case. If you if you just submit something, then grants are always kind of like not really free money. But at the end of the day, it's like kind of uh, like a, a good source, especially till a certain point. Then yes. you can do something like that. Cool, man. So listen, uh, Sona, I want to have a bit of fun with you. Um, so I want to give you the keys to the Matt Brown Show time machine. Um, and if you could go to yourself uh, on day one, like the day, the first day of this startup, what uh, what advice would you give yourself about building Ponstech? 
Mm. Oh, oh, really good questions. So I will say that uh, uh, I will say that focus on on, on on focus on only one thing. So solving one problem and and focus on and find a problem that has a big impact and that has a big problem uh, connected to that. So uh, that will be definitely my advice uh, for me if I re, if I had this time machine. <laughs> That's awesome, man. So, um, <clears throat> so one more question, and then we'll wrap up. But why do you do what you do? Like, what what's this ultimate contribution you hope to make to humanity? Ah, uh, I mean, um, in our case, it is really like bringing something to the community or to the people, especially that doesn't have the opportunity to to access decent healthcare. So, uh, because uh, like there was this study, like about like and recently, like. 80% of the minorities living in the U.S., they don't have access at all to decent healthcare, like 80%. So that's a huge number. Mm. And um, if you go like outside here, like developing countries and or like smaller villages and these kind of things, like around like over like 60% of the deaths are happening because of preventable diseases. And like, I mean, in our, it was like always our mission uh, to say that okay, we will develop a technology that will uh, that will uh, give the opportunity to, to people without focusing on their background, without focusing on their financial backgrounds or race or ethnicity. They they need to have access to decent healthcare, and that is the, our ultimate goal. Like developing ponds, and because we have also like a, a, a project that we will be donating our technology to UNICEF. And and uh, doctors without borders, so that they will basically be using it like in any place in the world. So because they are already working in diff- difficult spaces and and all these kind of things. So that is our uh, our mission, and that is how we see uh, like Pons, uh hopefully like in the following years uh, to be to become a company that has this impact. Cool, dude. Well, look, that's uh, that's generally the prerequisite for success, mate. So, um, so I'm wishing you and all the team the very best of the future, mate. We'll keep chatting. I'll connect you to those people. All right. Thank you, Ron. Thank you for having me, and it was great to be here. Anytime. Thanks, Erna. Thanks, everyone. Ciao. Ever wanted to become a best-selling author? Well, I'm in the influence business and I work with business owners and CEOs and business leaders to help them scale their influence. And we do this as a team by helping you to become a best-selling author, sought-after speaker and industry influencer in only 30 days. My team and I have developed a system that delivers a best-selling book and a launch campaign 300% faster and 50% less cost than anyone else in North America. This system is incredibly efficient. One of my clients haiku went from a two percent share of voice globally to an 11 percent share of voice globally in only seven days if you'd like more information head on over to showworksmedia.com for more that is showworks with an x.com